It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Find your nearest GDK restaurants at germandonakebab.com. Hello, welcome to a brand new week of Football Social Daily. We are kicking off your week with a healthy dose of Premier League action as we do every single day. This is the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. I'm Jim Salverson. I've got Marley Anderson over there. Hello. Got Niall McCorn over there. Hello. Good weekend, gents. Not too battered by Storm Dennis. Yeah, I played football in it yesterday. Did you? Yeah, hailed while we were playing. Everyone was just running around going, ah, <laughs> it really hurts my ears and in wow, your what, face. What a vision of masculinity. Good yeah. job Roy Keane and Vinnie Jones weren't playing. They would have had something to say about that. Get on with it. I'd have just <laughs> kicked Roy Keane just to see what happened. <laughs> there is a storm. If you're not in the UK, there's currently a storm or a couple of storms battering the UK. It's pretty insignificant on an international basis, but we're moaning about a little bit of rain and hail and whatnot. I went and walked the dog on Saturday in it. And oh, wow. fell in a stream. <laughs> did, the, to... did the dog pull you into the stream? No, I was trying to get across the stream and slipped and went School up to my boy. knee in stream. <laughs> and I had School to do the rest boy. of the walk with very soggy trousers. The dog was just looking at him like, you stupid idiot. <laughs> just stood there nice and, nice and not wet on the, on the edge yeah. of the stream. Let's crack on from weather anyway. Let's go into today's podcast. We're going to take a look today back at the weekend's action. Offer up our heroes and villains from the last few days. We're going to look ahead to tonight's Premier League action as Manchester United United welcome Chelsea. We're going to have the latest on Manchester City and their ban from Champions League football as well. Could it be about to get a whole lot worse? I appreciate that some people have probably had their fill of City FFP talk at the moment. So we're going to do the City stuff at the end of the podcast today. So if you want to hear about it, you can either fast forward about 30 minutes or if you don't want to hear about it when we get to that, you can just stop and go do something else. The choice is yours. But I do recommend going back and listening to Saturday and Sunday's podcasts from Football Social Daily, some really interesting insight from our Manchester City expert, Sam Lee, if you do want to hear more on that. But let's kick off with heroes and villains. Starting with the positive side of things, we'll go for heroes first. Who wants to go first on this one? Oh, shall I just kick off with it? <laughs> go on, no, you it, kick off. Seeing as it felt like a while ago now, even though Friday night was only Friday night, it feels like for the weekend we've had with football news, it's been an absolute mm. age away. My hero's Connor Cody. 
the Wolves captain for his discussion with the referee for their game against Leicester, Mike Dean, as he was leaving the pitch at half-time. Willie Bolly scored what looked like a legitimate header for Wolves to put them in the lead in what was a big game for them because Wolves will still have top six hopes of their own. <laughs> Sorry, I've just, I've never, Willie Bolly's never scored a legal goal in his life. <laughs> he scored that one against, uh, was it Newcastle when he elbowed the goalkeeper? He scored the handball against Man City last season and then he scored this one. I genuinely can't remember the last <laughs> time he put the ball in the net legally. Well, uh, to be fair, he put the ball in the net legally. It wasn't him causing the <laughs> infringement this moment in time. <laughs> the first time ever. It was a, somebody else has his goal ruled out for it him. Was a, it was a heel of, uh, I don't know who it was in the end, but basically that's what Connor Cody was trying to get out of Mike Dean. Whose heel was it that was offside? Who was offside? Was it Diogo Jota? He was basically trying to get out of the referee what was going on. The referee was pointing to his earpiece and went, I don't know. And Cody went, what, you're the referee of this game and you can't tell me who was offside? And basically the look of disgust on his face opened up a whole new can of worms in terms of how the players see the VAR in that debate. So I thought that was interesting. Let's have a listen to this because it was actually picked up on the BT Sport cameras and we can hear what Connor Cody was saying to Mike Dean. I mean, I guess what it does illustrate that clip is that referees kind of have that almost like the, they're passing the buck to yeah. the VAR officials now. They're not taking responsibility for the decisions on the pitch. It's now someone else's decision to the extent that Mike Dean doesn't even know yeah. which individual that's, player was offside. That's the big problem with it. It's um, I don't I, I personally don't have that much of a problem with VAR. It's just the arrogance of the officials and the, the stubbornness for them not to explain everything like okay you somebody somewhere's made that decision but you have to have an explanation for it yeah you can't keep players in the dark like that i mean well, it was it pitch side monitors are so, uh, so exactly. it seems like such a logical step isn't it because it's handing that responsibility it wasn't back even a hard ref. decision like it, it wasn't even a hard question to ask from cody he was right. like who was offside he's not saying what part of him was offside or why was he, why was he offside he wasn't saying well if his heel's offside, he hasn't interfered with that heel. He's not. It's, it's not a tough question. You're just asking which player was given yeah. offside. And all, Mike Dean, obviously, we know he's quite an arrogant character anyway, just pointing at his ear and going, well, I didn't make this decision. And it's just it's just going to wind players up even more. I mean, it's such a cloudy water when it comes into these sorts of discussions because if you look at the actual decision, the player that was offside was absolutely miles away on the other side of the pitch. Which And then you got the questions of interfering with play and all this second phase and nonsense yeah. that you get kind of dragged into I think Marley's right though although the question mark would be around someone defending the referee what does it matter to Connor Cody who was offside the decision is the decision he's making a point though isn't he but I think that's the key he's making a point and this is the thing and I think Marley's right there seems to be this reluctance to with Mike Dean being a senior referee as well maybe overturn decisions of colleagues you've got two factors here you either let the referee be the referee and let mm. him use the pitch side monitor and the technology is there to aid the referee in the middle on the day and all the decisions are made by that one person in the middle and the people at Stockley Park all they're doing is facilitating the footage to show to the referee yeah. or you refer the decision to whoever's in the TV truck and they make the choice for you and like they do in cricket they say Mike I recommend you change your decision from goal to a free kick for offside and then Mike goes, great, cool, the decision's been changed, this is the reason, this is what I've been told, and that's the way it goes. At the moment, we're neither here nor there. Mm. I mean, the only times we've seen the monitor being used, bizarrely, both times this season have been at Selhurst Park. I don't guess it's the only one that works in the Premier League, I don't know, but both times <laughs> we've seen it. the right as... adapter. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> 
this is an interesting one for me, and I think Connor Cody, uh, 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 the fact it's been captured is very mm. interesting because it shows that the players are also unhappy with the yeah. way it's been. These used conversations right are happening all the time, aren't they? I mean, that's the thing. Absolutely. It's like this is just one that happens to have been caught on camera. Mm. Quickly on Connor Cody, he's had a great season. Yeah, two should seasons. he be in the England conversation now? Because if Southgate sticks to his word and he picks players on form rather than reputation, which 100% he is not doing. But if he did do that, then surely Conor Cody has to be someone who's in consideration to play for England at the Euros. Uh, no, because he's Scouse, not English, Jim. So, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, no, you have to say, he's been at Wolves for ages. He was there before this Chinese takeover. He's been there through them, getting up through the championship. And he was very good last season as well. He, he plays a lot of games. He doesn't score a lot of goals, but he's kind of converted himself from a central midfield player in the early days at Wolves to a... To kind of a centre back, I think yeah. only since Wolves have gone to a back three, he's been that he's, sort of middle centre right, back because okay. he's, he's got a great range of passing as well. Obviously, yeah. like if you're looking at it from an England perspective, if you want three players or who, whatever system you want to play, if you want players that can pass and build from the back, he's very good at that. Played right the way through England's youth teams as well, like yeah. 16, 17s, 18s, and all that, but never yeah. has had the shout he, at he, the top level. He's got leadership qualities, and we've seen him on uh, on TV being a pundit recently. He made an appearance on Monday Night Football, and I thought he was excellent there. Yeah. He's 26, so he should really be at the top of his game round about now. Wolves are having a good season. I mean, if we're talking about players like Danny Ings for Southampton, getting into the England squad, then why is Connor Cody not getting a look in there? Better team yeah. than Southampton. They've performed consistently better than Southampton the last two seasons. They're still in Europe playing against big European clubs, which they will do. Many people tipping them to go deep into the Europa League. You know, they've turned their season around from at the start where it was very wobbly for Wolves, where they had a lot of games because of this Europa League qualification. They've managed to make a fist of this season and they look like they might make a tilt for the top six. So I don't think there's any reason why. I think it depends on who's available centre-half-wise for Gareth Southgate. Mm. I think Maguire gets into the team straight away. But, but again, on current form, if yeah. he's going to pick a team on current form, Maguire probably wouldn't get in it. No, but I think in terms of the, like Marley mentions, the ball playing centre halves, I think you just pick Maguire regardless, don't you? If you're mm. Gareth Southgate in that situation. Stones, I think there might be a question mark over him. Tyron Mings has question marks whether he might play. I think it's a possibility. Whether we'll see it or not, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait till the next international break. Let's move on to your hero, Marley, because I know Niall's going to enjoy this one. Uh, yeah, my uh, my hero from the weekend. It wasn't really, it wasn't anything that happened uh, happened on the pitch. It was something that happened on my fav- favorite social media channel, uh, Twitter. Me. It was Charlie Austin, and he has he's very open on social media. He's not sort of oh lads did well, let's go again next week yeah. kind of kind of thing. He's not got a PR <laughs> person doing his Twitter account. Basically, it is a hundred percent Austin. Yeah. If, well, if he does have a PR guy, he needs... He, he, he <laughs> well, needs he's, he, he's been more like Stone Cold Steve Austin on his <laughs> tweets recently, hasn't he, than uh, Charlie Austin. Yeah, right. So basically, Charlie Austin this weekend um, it was being given some stick uh, by Southampton fans. And instead of just like quietly sort of taking it and sort of passing it off as banner, he just went fully back at them. <laughs> like, um, so <laughs> Southampton fans, there's one here that says, it's difficult to get behind a striker who couldn't run five minutes without huffing and puffing Chaz. Big mouth for a man who accelerates slower than a 50-ton lorry on an ice, icy slope, which I think is a great metaphor, to be honest. Because <laughs> I'm just imagining it now, and it's kind of similar to how he runs, but never mind. Uh, blame the club that paid your wages and supports your kids instead of yourself. What a role model. And he's just responded to this guy called Aaron. He's put, oh, they didn't support my kids, you cheeky <laughs> I support my family, so relax your comments about them. Fire, fire them at me, but not about them. I'm all for fan player banter, but your fan base is shit. 
<laughs> it's just great. Yes, I mean, I like I like it when players have personality on social media. That's what it's for. I do like the fact that you he know, is going back at getting abuse. I mean, whether he yeah. should be having a pop at the Southampton fan base who did pay him for well, uh, quite a significant well, portion of his career. But really, none of them turned up against Burnley at the weekend. Where were they? I'm going to sound like Chris Sutton here. Yeah. Right, where were you, Southampton fans? And this isn't me being a, a bit of Portsmouth fan. This is the Premier League, and I know it was windy and stormy horrible. and horrible. <laughs> to be fair, where were you? Yeah, it was uh, empty. You shouldn't see that in the Premier League, but An you do. Empty Premier League stadium. You see it a lot in the Premier League what? at bigger clubs than Southampton. You don't often hear <laughs> players criticising former clubs, do they? Because there's always a few after dinner speeches you can give there's always a little bit of hospitality oh. you can host or something like that down the line not for charlie but he's not going back to southampton <laughs> I, now oh <laughs> uh, yeah well, i mean I, I do take the mickey there but i mean ender stevens who now plays for sheffield united in the premier league mm. adam webster who now plays for brighton in the premier league both former portsmouth players both successful very successful our club have both come out since they've left the club and insulted portsmouth because we have a tendency to turn on players very very quickly right um so i don't think that charlie austin is the only football player out there in the premier league who certainly will have hostility towards former fan mm. bases for turning on players right we're gonna go for one more hero my nomination a true hero harry Gregg, who's passed away at the age of 87 now Gregg might be a name that some people are not instantly familiar with but he's a hero in pretty much every sense of the word we use the word legend quite a lot particularly with former footballers, but this is a man who truly deserves that title. Not only a fine goalkeeper for Manchester United, but was also involved in the Munich air disaster in 1958. He went back to the crash site to rescue other passengers from the plane after the disaster, including Sir Bobby Charlton and Jackie Blanchflower. Not only that, but he was back playing between the sticks a fortnight after the accident as well. Despite never picking up a winner's medal of any kind at the club, he's a huge part of Manchester United's history and 100% a genuine hero. Yeah, it's overused, isn't it, the word hero these days? You know, somebody scores a last-minute winner, it's like, oh, he's a hero. Uh, he's not. This guy pulled his mates from, yeah. a, from a burning aeroplane and played again 13 days later. You can I almost mean. forget about the footballing side of things. Yeah. Completely forget about the footballing thing as you went went back to the burning plane, rescued former players yeah. and other people as well from the plane. It's not just about his teammates. Exactly. It's humanitarian hero rather than footballing hero. He's like genuine guy. And sad that he's passed away, but, you know, it's, it's one of them. He'll be remembered for for reasons better than football, like other than football. 100% genuine hero. Well, we'll take a little break there from Football Social Daily. We'll come back in a minute and do our villains, plus we'll preview Manchester United's game against Chelsea. Football Social Daily with German gourmet doner kebabs, made with our signature sauces. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We've done our heroes from the heroes and villains for the weekend, so let's rattle through our villains. You can go first on this one as well, Niall, as you went first on the heroes. Who's your villain from the weekend? Cool. My villain is Aston Villa defender Bjorn Engels. He was very close to being a hero, actually, this week, but he let it slip for himself at the very last minute. He went from zero to hero to zero again, as mm. I said on yesterday's podcast. He gave away a penalty, a VAR-assisted penalty. Martin Atkinson originally uh, decided that his sliding tackle on Stephen Bergvine wasn't a spot kick, but then he changed his mm. mind after VAR said in his ear, which I have to say, I think is a good use of VAR. 
in that occasion yeah, because from the that ref- was a clear penalty, yeah, wasn't it? But it looked like a great recovery tackle in real time. You watch it and it looked like a great tackle, and, and then think, you watch the replay and it is a hundred percent a penalty. I think the fact it was in front of the Holt end as well, the Aston Villa famous home end, where all the supporters stood up and clapped and went, "Oh, great challenge!" <laughs> I think if it was at the away end, I think we maybe might have seen a yeah. different decision from Martin Atkinson, but. Clear and obvious error, as you say, overturned by VAR. So a good decision, a tick for VAR in the box there. Um, he gave away the pen. Pepe Reina saved the penalty, but Son still managed to poke the ball home. Mm. He then rose above uh, Alderweireld from a corner to head the ball into the back of the net, redeemed himself. Um, but then in the dying seconds of the game, the game's at 2-2, finally poised. Looks like both sides are going to come out of it with a draw. He makes a mistake. And Son Heung-min is allowed in and he runs into the penalty area and slides beneath Rayner to hand Spurs in a away victory, which albeit have been rare for Tottenham over the last 18 months or so, mm. which means that Villa come away with nothing. And I think in those moments, you want your defenders to be alert and at mm. it. And they were missing Tyrone Mings uh, against Tottenham, which is pretty much why Engel's got the call up anyway from Dean Smith. Giving away the penalty and then Rayner saving the penalty. And although it bounced favourably for Son, Deli Ali and Son were the first two players there because all they were sniffing was a chance of a rebound and a goal. Yeah. The Villa defenders were nowhere to be seen. I have to say, with absolutely the... nowhere to be seen. And I know we've seen a lot of encroachment decisions with VAR this season with penalties being retaken. But I just think those are the moments where even if you get a toe and it deflects and, and it hits the post and it goes out, that's a point that mm. Aston Villa would have gained two points they've lost because they, they probably should have won that game really against Spurs. Spurs were flattering to deceive the whole game, in my opinion. But yeah, he, he gave away the pen. He scored to redeem himself. But then again, the slip, the individual errors are costing Villa. And I mean, for fans, I bet they hope that it doesn't cost them their Premier League status this season. Also, that Norwich fan who wanted to shake hands with Jurgen Klopp. Come here and shake my hand, son. Oh, yeah. uh, why? <laughs> He's just beaten you 1-0. Why are you shaking hands with the opposition manager? They're enjoying the like ride. It. They're oh. enjoying the ride of Premier League football while they can. Right, I'm going to do my villain next because my villain's similar in context to Marley's as well. So it's not really Premier League, but it has had an impact and it's been continuing to have an impact this season, I guess. And there's loads of villains we could talk about during Vittoria's game versus Porto this weekend and it was Porto striker Musa Morega who walked off the pitch after being racially abused by the Vittoria fans and he was clearly upset there was a big conversation with the referee there was big remonstrations with his teammates who seemed to want to keep him on the pitch instead of letting him walk off after being racially abused by the fans he eventually got off the pitch there was a good sort of three four minutes of debate and kind of people holding him back essentially whilst he wanted to walk off down the tunnel he eventually stormed off down the tunnel posted on instagram afterwards talking about the event and he said i'd just like to tell those idiots who come to the stadium and make racist chants go yourself i hope i never see you on a football field again you're a disgrace and i also thank the referees for not defending me and giving me a yellow card i defend my skin color Obviously, the Vittoria fans are well out of order here and we don't want to see any kind of racism in football on any level. Obviously, I think his teammates probably have something to answer for, for not being on his side and holding him back and not letting him either take the action he wanted to take or potentially all walking off the pitch. But I think the real villains in this scenario are the referees who have the options available to them to follow away for protocol, to stop the game to offer the three strikes and you're out scenario that you can put in place in stadiums but to not do any of that and to yellow card the player for disrupting the game I think he could not have got that scenario more wrong yeah um there was something that I seen when the Porto players were around him sort of like trying to sort of hold him or, or talk to him or whatever some somebody was saying that 
they were trying not to let him get booked again so he didn't get sent off. Right. But, like, just... I just don't believe that at all. Just let him walk off. Like, he wants to walk off. You're holding him back and obstructing the game more. So yeah. just, just let him let him go. And it made it like, more of a spectacle than it needed to be almost. It made him look more of, of, of the yeah, villain. It, it just it just made him look like he had no support from his teammates. Yeah. Like so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play for them again. He seems to, you know, he's doubled down on it. He hasn't sort of gone back on, on himself. He's, Didn't he give the middle finger to the fans as well? Yeah, he gave, yeah. He gave a thumbs down to the fans. Did he? Okay. So it wasn't okay. quite the middle finger. Okay. It was kind okay. of like he went to all he give, sides. He, I think he gave him the fingers up as well. Did he? That was on that. his Instagram post. I think he had okay. the, he had his screenshot of him uh, sticking his finger up at them. But he, um, he, he was getting the abuse before he scored and then he scored and... Then he pointed to his skin as if to say, like, yeah, yeah, look, a black guy's just scored against you, like, and what? So he'd clearly been getting abuse before that moment yeah, as yeah. well. And yeah. then objects were thrown onto the pitch. Yeah, after there was, he scored there was as chairs well. throughout him. It's just like the Victoria fans were ripping up their own chairs to throw at him because at one point that, he even picked one up and chucked one, one away. But yeah. I'm also disgusted at the Porto players. Why didn't they walk off with him? It is weird. You, it's can't, a weird book, you can't book 11 players. If 11 players walk off the pitch, you don't have to worry about your teammate mm. being booked again. Because if you all walk off, the referee can't book you all. Because you're making a statement, and uh, that's what disgusted me. The amount of white players in that Porto team that surrounded Morega and, and and didn't really let him come off, and were trying to drag black, him black to stay Black players off. as well. It wasn't just white players. Uh, well, though. I mean, the majority of the players I saw doing it were white people, and I, that's what really upset me. And I think you know, if you are a team, some things transcend the sport. Mm. And I know you train all week to play football and you play games and it's important and it's getting to the stage of the season where results are becoming more and more paramount. But some things are more important than football. And that is one of those things. Get off the pitch with your teammates. Show some solidarity. Show some support. Don't harangue him and get around him and stop him from getting off the pitch, whether you think he should or shouldn't. And we've seen Just teams... go and do it and, and trust his judgment because that's what disgusted me. The amount of white people surrounding him and kind of stopping him from doing what he wanted to do. I was, I was absolutely stunned by that. So I'm equally as disappointed with the Gimaraj fans as I am with the Porto players. It's another country which you can add to the list yeah. of European countries which are having problems with racism in their game. Britain... Italy, France, Spain, now Portugal. Well, it's across the board, it's isn't it? It's a problem. And your villain this week, Marley, is on a, sadly, a similar tip. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty similar. Um, again, it's not Premier League, but it's um, it's Championship. And it comes off the back of Derby's one one all draw with Huddersfield this mm. weekend. Um, basically, on BBC Radio Derbyshire, they were talking um, on this sports scene programme and it was somebody who said, so here's the quote, uh, I think they've had it too easy, some of these players. I think they've dropped off the boil, feeling like they've arrived, they've made it. When I look over at certain players, their body language, their stance, the way they act, they, you just feel he needs pulling down a peg or two. Like, so far, it's not that bad. No. But then this next sentence just is just, I can't believe it. So I'd probably say that about all the young black lads. All the young, all the young advice. If they wanted it, that you know, it's about when you're struggling for form, you're going through a bit of a sticky patch. It's about going back to basics, working hard, blah blah blah. Uh, that's my biggest thing I would say to these players. Why on earth is he singling out black players for that? Craig Ramage, this was who's yeah. a former Derby midfielder. Oh, there's so many questions about this. Like, why are you, why are you digging out black players? Why, why do, you, why do you feel that's a thing? If you feel that's the thing, why are you saying it on a public service like BBC? It's BBC, for God's sake. Mm. Nobody then pulled him up on it. Nobody asked him about it. 
He's then singling out the the young black lads in Derby, and there's only a few of them. So Max Lowe's put on his um, on his Instagram um, reference to him and Jaden Bogle. He's put uh, as a young black footballer making my way in the game. I was shocked by comments made by one of the analysts on on the uh, BBC Radio Derby Sports Scene program. As a professional footballer, I'm ambitious. I know that my performances are scrutinised, but I don't think it's acceptable for myself and my teammate Jaden Bogle to be judged by the colour of our, of our skin. I think that's the problem here, isn't it? Because oh there God. might be a group of players at Derby who have not got the attitudes that Craig Ramage thinks are required to the current situation the club find themselves in. Yeah. And it might be three or four or five or six players, and they might happen to all be young and they might happen to all be black mm. but it's lumping them together and using that as a descriptive term to kind of go almost like yeah. identifying the negatives with this particular characteristic that they all happen to share yeah and he later went on to say supposedly that race is irrelevant to the issues that i was discussing yeah ridiculous why do you say it if it's irrelevant why mention it it's just a guy that's absolutely crapping crapping his pants about what he said and he's thought oh my god how can i save myself here and there's absolutely no saving it from me from oh. from what he said because that's that's ridiculous why like yeah you know we we talk about um this kind of thing with you know pogba getting getting pelters from certain sky sports analysts and things like that and at least they've never <laughs> come out and said mm. it's all the it's all the black lads they're, they're all got an you problem what just what goes through your head where you think, uh, yeah, this is a, a, a debate, this is a talking point. It's it's clearly a problem. It's not a problem. Like what? How? Where's the proof that they've they've got an attitude problem? Like you're just an outsider looking in. Yeah, you used to play for the club. Fine. Nobody outside of Derby's ever heard of Craig <laughs> Ramage. I've never heard of him. No. When I heard Ramage, I thought Peter <laughs> Ramage used to play for Newcastle. He was like a, an average right back. <laughs> like I was like, what's he popping but, up on Derby for? Yeah, well, but uh, no, it's also just it, random guy. It would have been nice to see the the main host of the show at Question least ask for that, yeah. what 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 the hell he was talking yeah, about what, and what what relevance it has. The fact that we kind of why let slip. Why has he not done that? Almost went under the radar. It's quite disappointing. Unbelievable. For BBC Derbyshire's part, they have taken swift action. They've taken him off air, and he has apologised, as you said, since. Mm. Whether that'll be enough to save his future as a broadcaster is another matter entirely. Uh, let's leave that there. Let's move on to tonight's game. It's Monday night, so it's Manchester United versus Chelsea. Some team news. Tammy Abraham will have a late fitness test. He's got an ankle problem. Loftus-Cheek and Pulisic are both still out for Chelsea. For United, Matic is back available after his ban. Igalo is available for potentially making a debut. Rashford, Pogba and McTominay all still out. So for Manchester United and Chelsea, we've got two young managers here, two club legends. Very different perceptions in terms of how they've performed this season, yet there's only six points between them. Is that fair, that they're getting completely different treatment from the fan base? I think it's just determined by where they are in the league. Chelsea have, what, they lost eight games this season, Mm. maybe more? At least eight in the Premier League. Yeah. And for them to still be in the top four, and by the way, they are nine points off of Leicester City, aren't they? Nine points off of Leicester? Yeah. So for them to be still in the top four, nine points away from Leicester, and with Manchester City's UEFA bound, we could see fifth becoming the Champions League spot this season or whatever happens with the FA Cup. We don't know still yet to find out that from the Premier League. But that's that's insane. And that should give Manchester United confidence knowing that they are able to catch Chelsea because I don't think Chelsea have looked solid. I think the fact that, as you mentioned, Tammy Abraham is going to have a late fitness test on an ankle injury, which he's been carrying since about Christmas. Yeah. And the fact that Lampard doesn't trust Giroud, 
even though he couldn't get rid of him in January. And he doesn't trust Batshuayi, clearly, because he seems to be starting Tammy Abraham through the pain. Mm. I think that will come back to bite Frank Lampard and bite Chelsea. I really do. And I think if there is any spot up for grabs in this top four, I think it is Chelsea's spot. And I think Manchester United, if they can beat Chelsea, and by the way, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's record against Chelsea since he's been Manchester United manager is very, very good. I think there's a high likelihood of that happening tonight. And I think Chelsea really do need to be wary. They've not won in three, Chelsea, as well going into this. So it would take them to within three points. It's hard to see Manchester United getting a top four place this season. But as you say... Chelsea will have to be worried about retaining theirs with the current form and without strengthening in January as well. Yeah, um, I think with with what you said before about um, how they're sort of being judged differently, I think a lot of a lot of that just comes off the fact that Solskjaer's had money to spend and, and Chelsea haven't um, with the transfer ban in the summer affecting what they do this season. Um, I think Chelsea are in a, a stronger position in terms of where they are as a club. Um, I think Lampard's doing the right things. The, I think the reason why they've lost a few of those eight eight defeats is just a lack of experience, a lack of uh, sort of the old sort of grinding results out kind of thing. Which are, you know, if you've got a young a young squad and you've got the likes of Reese James and Hudson Odoi and Mount and Abraham and even Pulisic and, Tamori, and players like yeah. that, Tamori, mm. um, even Kepa, the the goal he's not he's mm. not exactly he's not experienced in England. He's not. Very good. He's, 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 he's not that good. He's about 25 years old or something Some like that. Some long-range so. testers from Bruno Fernandes tonight, I reckon. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, they've, they've, they've just need that little bit of uh, little bit of know-how, but that's only going to come with time. So, games like this tonight, they've played, um, they've played Man United before. They got beat 4-0 on the opening day of the season. I don't think there will ever be uh, a result which was less deserved than the 4-0. Um, for an old scoreline that they got because I think first day of the Chelsea, season Chelsea bossed the game Abraham hit the post and crossbar in about five minutes didn't he, he did yeah. Other, yeah. yeah he did I mean is it all down to the and patience of patience of fan, the fan base in a way because neither board neither Abramovich or Woodward seem like they're going to be getting rid of their managers anytime soon but the, as you say almost like there's a bit of no less expectation for Chelsea at the moment because they have had this transfer ban They've been relying on young players, which fans always like to see the young players coming yeah. through. They've strengthened, or they look like they're going to be strengthening well with good purchases going forward, which hasn't always been Manchester United's forte either. So it is down to the fan base and how patient they are and how long they can wait for the rebuilding process to take place. I'd be interested to know what you guys think. Man for man, how did Chelsea and Manchester United squads match up? Is one significantly better than the other? I think Chelsea are comfortably better to be honest really my yeah. reaction would be what Chelsea. about you Jim my reaction really? would be Chelsea uh, but then I start to go through the teams in my head mm-hmm. and if you're going man for man if you go one player compared to another it's much closer Chelsea have outperformed Manchester United this season yeah because they've think, yeah. because they've been better and I think that's what it comes down to and I think also Chelsea fans seem to have been more lenient with Lampard than Manchester United fans have with Solskjaer mm. but if the roles were reversed and Manchester United are in the top four because they've also lost eight games, Manchester United, the same as Chelsea. If Manchester United were sat in the top four and Chelsea were down in ninth, would we be having the same conversation? Would many people be surprised? I think we'd be having the exact same conversation, but we'd have flipped it around. We'd be talking about Chelsea can close the gap on the top four and Manchester United have yeah. started to stall. I don't think but there's don't a lot know, between I don't these think two. there'd be the pressure on Lampard that there is on Solskjaer because of, as Marley says, the transfer ban. And the expectations were rock bottom at the start of the season. We were describing this as a free hit that Chelsea needed to get in the top half of the table and that was kind of it. 
I think Lampard. I think top four, if you look at Chelsea in terms of what they need and demand as a club, not just financially, but also in terms of where they are status-wise, stature-wise, you have to finish in the Champions League. And this is the thing, there's six clubs now vying for Champions League spots and only four spots available. And that's what makes it so mm. so so hostile, the race between the, the, two, the clubs. Interesting that you think, Marley, that the, the squad's a lot stronger. I think, as Jim says, in my opinion, they're just they're quite close, actually. The, the two squads, man for man. I was just thinking. I was thinking about first eleven wise. I think there's three Man United players. I think I'd put in there. So De Gea, De Gea, Maguire, and if everyone's fit, Rashford. Oh, and Pogba, Pogba. actually. If, if everyone's fit, not seen enough of Fernandez yet. Yeah, in England, true. don't really like. Fair enough. If he's good, then he, he probably does get in. Mm. But Abraham but, over Martial and yeah. yeah. If, if you're playing, you know, four, both teams just like to play four three three. So Saka. Nah, I'd I'd put Aspilicueta over. Wambasaka and Reese James well, is a good Lampard forward. dropped him at the weekend last yeah. weekend well yeah, that's because well, he, wants, last to, game was. he <laughs> wants to bring Reese James through and I really really like Reese James as well I think he's, he's good I think he's absolutely brilliant mm. who's going to win tonight then let's do a quick prediction that we can get wrong ahead of the <laughs> game this evening I sound, you sound like you're backing uh, Manchester United for this one now I don't know why uh, just something about Manchester United playing against Chelsea under Solskjaer they seem to keep getting the victory and I, 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 for some reason I want to say 2-0 United, um, United but, but also I think I don't think a, a draw is out of the question with East Hill. but I mean if I'm going to go with my gut I'd say I'd say 2-0 Manchester United I think um, if I go in my head I'd say a 1-1 draw but let's stick with the gut feeling of 2-0 Marley? Uh, I think Chelsea will win um, judging by the last I know it was a long time ago, but the last game, if you're going to play on the counter-attack against Chelsea, you need Rashford and Martial. Rashford was, let's be honest, the key of that game. He scored, I think he scored twice in that game. Mm. Um, Once from the penalty spot, once from Pogba's pass. You haven't got Pogba, you haven't got Rashford, you haven't got any cutting edge with Martial. Everything has to go through Bruno. Fair enough, he might do it, but he might not. Um, If you take them two players out of the team earlier this season, you can't play that same style. And I think Man United are better on the counter-attack and without... Uh, you can't attack in threats. You're gonna struggle unless Bruno can come up with something from from open play or even for a, from a set piece or something. But I think it'll be tight. I think maybe two one Chelsea. Okay. Let's wrap up with Manchester City and the latest there. I'm sure you know Manchester City have been fined 30 million euros and been banned from the Champions League for two seasons by UEFA for breaching FFP rules. We're not going to go back into the detail of this, and I'm sure we could all speak for hours on the topic. We're just going to try and cover off the latest news. If you want to go back and listen to the podcasts over the weekend, the reaction as it happened, we had City expert Sam Lee from The Athletic on those podcasts to give you the latest on that. But it's a changing picture, so we'll try and keep you up to date with what's going on as the week progresses. And mostly, it's people saying what they think about the situation <laughs> at the moment. Various footballing <laughs> figureheads, I guess you'd call yeah. them. Rude Hullet this week has said that he wouldn't be surprised if Pep Guardiola walked away from Manchester City because of the ruling, um, which you can kind of understand. His point is that this is what Pep wants to do. He wants to compete at the highest level. He wants to play in the Champions League. And if City can't provide him with Champions League football, just like when you're trying to sign a player, there's less likelihood of them going to a club when they can't provide Champions League football, then he will potentially look to move elsewhere. Do you think Pep will? I mean, that's got to be a consideration for him, Mm -hmm. surely, whether he's looking at whether he extends or stays at the club, that he can't test himself at the top level. I I think he'll he'll stay quite like this whole process has a lot a long way to go. You yeah. know, there's there's the court of arbitration for sport, and then there's talk about the the Swiss court, which is like, is it the Supreme Court? I yeah. don't know. They'll yeah. go to every court they possibly can. 
Um, that adds months, if not years, onto this process. Guardiola has a season after this on his contract, so I don't see, you know, he doesn't sign contracts until a few sort of weeks or months before the end. So it, it wouldn't be anything out of the ordinary to to get to sort of April time next year before he commits his future one way or another and says, I'm going to go or I'm going to stay. And that will depend on where this this process is because the one thing of this whole situation, Man City are absolutely certain that they've got bulletproof evidence that they didn't yeah. uh, break any rules. They've got, if you think about what Man City have got, right, they've got every possible detail covered and they were convinced that if they spent this much money on a player or that much money on that player that they could abide by FFP rules they've they've probably found loopholes in a in a new system course, yeah. and sort of said right we'll we'll, we'll exploit them because it's mm. a it's a crap law like yeah. how can you possibly find people for buying players and it's and it's, that kind of loophole I think exploration happens at ex- every yeah. type of business exactly. all over the country yeah. all over the world but what happens when you exploit a loophole the people who you've exploited say we don't bloody like this yeah. they're making a mockery of us but really you've made yourself look like fools because you've put in a, a silly thing with loopholes yeah. it wasn't watertight it's not it, airtight exactly. so the cleverest guys with the biggest finances and the biggest the best lawyers and the best legal team they can say well that that's a small loophole here where you can say we have to get ten mil. Uh, we have to get, you know, uh, you know, raise our own money through sponsorship, so we can get a, a soap sponsor for a hundred million. And where can how can they prove that we're not mm. worth hundred million to them? So I guess it probably comes uh, down to how, how Pep Guardiola feels here. It's like, yeah. does he feel let down by the club? I think does he feel let down by his mates that he would have trusted to get through this situation? And, think, and if he yeah. thinks they have acted properly, and he thinks they have just tried to take advantage of a loophole, they haven't messed up that'll give him more loyalty to the club and more likely to stay around if the band doesn't get overturned and the band will get overturned I think in the long run. There's a few things to this. I think what Marley's saying about you uh, about Manchester City gathering evidence, they've been doing this for years. They've yeah. been waiting for a while for this ruling to happen. Like the statement said, yeah, the, the shocked st- but not surprised. They've been gathering evidence and that although Manchester been in City their draft for, Yeah, exactly. Months. And the problem is with this is UEFA and the Court of Arbitration for Sport have they've set a precedent for other clubs. So PSG have got away with financial fair play issues before f- through the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And basically Manchester City have been gathering all this evidence saying this is allowed, this is allowed, this is allowed, this is allowed. But when we do it, we're not allowed to do it. Why? Mm. And basically that's, that's the case that they'll take yeah. to court. They'll take the case of here are all the examples of where people have done the same thing as us and not and not been punished. So why have you punished us? That's what's going to happen. As for Pep, as far as I can gather, and especially speaking to, to Sam Lee on yesterday's podcast, City have said to Pep and the players, don't worry, we'll sort this. They are very, very confident, which makes me wonder that they must have some sort of evidence or something to kind of take to the court and take to the case and show that, you know, that they're not innocent, but certainly they're maybe not as guilty as they've been punished for. As for Rude Hullet saying, wouldn't be surprised if Pep leaves. I wouldn't be surprised if Pep leaves, but he's not going to. I think he's going to stay. I think Pep Guardiola is very, very proud of himself and he, he, in terms of the way he sees out contracts. He prides himself on seeing himself to the end of the contract. And it could actually galvanise the players and galvanise the team and kind of yeah. give them like the, well, that a, a against just, them scenario. A City just going to go now, well, we'll stick your Champions League, we'll go and win it this year. I would. We'll go and win the Champions League this year and you sod your trophy, we'll lift it, walk back down the tunnel, leave the trophy on the platform and we'll walk off down the tunnel and you won't see us again for two seasons. Well, th- that would be the perfect way to stick it to UEFA. How can you, you have, think, that'd be so good. The Champions League and UEFA, it's a commercial 
it's a commercial entity. They want that to be as commercially viable as possible. And it's not as commercially viable without Manchester City in it. Well, this you is... can't have the potential champions of one of the leading European leagues not playing in the Champions League. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It does make a mockery and a farce of the competition. But what you also need to factor into this is a lot of Manchester City's revenue comes from Champions League football. Yeah. So if Champions League football is taken away from them, they then fail FFP because they're putting more money in than the profits they're making because the Champions League is cut. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Whether Pep leaves or not is another question. I think there's so much, as Marley says, still to come before this. I mean, look, yeah. it took Chelsea a, a year pretty much to get their yeah. transfer case in the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And that was yeah. cancelled in December. On the 12th of December, that was cancelled before the, the 1st of January. What time is that? So I think by the time that gets into court, we might see another hearing before it goes to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to decide whether they can hear it early before the start of next season because time is against Or maybe some kind of City. delay or something yeah. like that. Uh, let's yeah. finish with Stephen Gerrard's comments who he's clearly poking the bear on this one a little bit. He says he'd be really interested to see if action is taken against Manchester City some kind of retrospective action with regards to their Premier League titles they may or may or not have won as a result of FFP. Just so happens that one of those titles was 2014's Premier League title, which Liverpool would have won had it not been for Manchester City. Steven Gerrard yeah. has found a way to get a winner's medal. Essentially. Oh, yeah. Gerard, I wonder, wonder why he's uh, interested to see if... Uh, he slipped on his feet. Exactly. That's it. Um, I don't know, man. He's, he's just... Why, why would you even want to have a title awarded to you in that way? It's such a crap way. It's also, it's never going to happen. Mm, no. It's never going to be backdated. They're never going to give these three titles to to the runners-up. It's very difficult to do retrospective action because at what do point what? does the FFP make a difference? Is it when you sign exactly. that player or that player? It's exactly. like, it reminds me a little bit of the Carlos Tevez stuff at the end of whatever season oh, it was. Where, 2005, was yeah, it? Well, with Sheffield United. Yeah. West Ham breached third-party ownership rules. Yeah signed Carlos Tevez. It happened to be Carlos Tevez's goals that kept West Ham in the league at the expense of Sheffield United. So yeah. there had to be there was some kind of compensation agreed and Sheffield United were paid 30 million quid off the back of that. Yeah, as and compensation they spent the next 14 years relegated. in the championship though. So Yeah. <laughs> and some of them in League 1 as it, well. It, so. But it's a similar scenario, isn't it? It's yeah. how how would you prove that that one thing was the thing that made the difference between exactly. Liverpool yeah. winning it's the a, league and City winning the league? It's a team game, yeah. isn't it? Colo so. Torre made a stinking mistake for Liverpool against West Brom in that season. It was a 1-1 draw. I remember sitting in my flat when I lived in Cardiff at the time watching that game. Go back and find it on YouTube. Colo Torre made a mistake. Then of course the famous Chris Dambul. Liverpool were 3-0 up against Crystal yeah, Palace. Dwight Gale and Dwight Gale buried them, yeah. Yeah, pulled it back to 3-3. That cost Liverpool the title. You can blame Steven Gerrard all you want for the slip and whatnot and, and everything else. But yeah, you can't factor in that. I think it's too far gone ago now. Yeah. I mean, and also on this, Gary Lineker, uh, he won the FA Cup in his career. He won the Copa del Rey, played for Barcelona, scored a hat-trick in the... Uh, in the El Clasico, top scorer in the first division for three seasons, runner-up in the Ballon d'Or 1986. But all everyone ever says to him is, you shit yourself on the pitch. (laughs) So, Steven Gerrard, the same thing's going to happen to him. He could win the Premier League. He could have single-handedly dragged Liverpool back from the death against AC and win in the Champions League. Everyone is still just going to go, Stevie... You slipped. Sorry, Stevie. Sorry, Stevie. No winners. That's all they're ever going to say to him, regardless. But it's one of them in it where you, it's it's the one thing that winds people up about the Scouse fan base, and that's why people get, you know, annoyed with him on on Twitter and stuff. It's kind of like you you're always moaning about something, and it's like there yeah, you need to have a little bit of humility. Like just just take it. Like nobody remembers. Can you name any of the guys that won the Tour de France when um when 
Lance Armstrong got his seven or nine titles stripped no. off him. No, can no, no, you can't, can you? No. So the glory nobody gone. remembers the moment's him. Past. You, the moment's gone. It's same with um, with Juventus in the Calciopoli scandal. Like they, their five, four or five league titles are stripped off them. I can't name you. I think Inter got one out of um, out of coming second. But, but that said, the, retro- the, point? the retrospective stuff does feel a little bit pointless. But if and it is a massive if at the moment, if this UEFA decision is upheld and Champions League football is taken away from City and they have been found to breach FFP. Surely the Premier League have to react in some way. Yeah, you think the Premier League will have to be seen to take some sort of action against it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and the thing I don't know is, what that would be points deductions, maybe. I, I don't know. Well, the UEFA transfer bans. Who well, knows? The thing, the UEFA FFP Ooh. rules are different to Premier League FFP rules. Is that some breaking news? Breaking there, news. Uh, Sky Sports have just said that Pep Guardiola and Raheem Sterling intend to stay at Man City despite two-season European ban from UEFA. That's, that's just popped through on Sky, that's Sky Sources. It. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, what well, a random thing to report. I mean, Pep Guardiola, yeah, but why just one player? They're well, going to play the entire season with just Raheem Sterling. <laughs> I think all the noises coming out of the club suggest that the players and Pep have been told by the hierarchy at Manchester City, "Do not worry, we have got this. We're going to sort this out." So we have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting situation. I think as well for the other clubs in the Premier League, and we spoke about this briefly on yesterday's show. What this means for them. When are we going to find out whether fifth place means a Champions League spot? Everyone's just guessing that at the moment. We don't know for certain until it comes out. No. We don't know whether if Aston Villa win the League Cup, whether they get a spot in which Europe. Which is also weird I mean, teams don't know what they're playing for. Absolutely, which is what I mean. It's for the wider context of the Premier League. We have to wait and see because obviously, oh. obviously for Sheffield United, yeah. they might not. They might know that they can spend more money on certain players next season if they're in the Champions mm. League because they've yeah. got Champions League revenue. So going into the summer, we need to find out pretty soon what the situation is regarding that. It is a thing that's changing on a daily basis. What you really need is a daily Premier League podcast to keep you up to date with such things. Thankfully, you have Football Social Daily. Make sure you click subscribe because we will keep you abreast of this as we go through the next weeks and months as it unfolds and it is going to be fascinating. That's it for today, Niall Marley. Thank you very much. Cheers, thank Jim. you. Make sure you do subscribe and we'll see you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with GDK. Taste the difference with our quality ingredients and lean succulent beef. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.